Welcome into another episode of a Cali Green Monster show. I am your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you here from the Tesla Studios in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. It is Tuesday, May the 4th, 2021. May the 4th be with you. Happy Star Wars Day. Definitely, we'll, you know, can't have May the 4th and not talk some Star Wars, so I'll talk a little bit of Star Wars with you guys today. DK Metcalf, wide receiver of the Seattle Seahawks. Apparently, he will be going out for the Olympic track and field team, trying to become a 100-meter yard dash sprinter. So we'll see how that works out. Dude's an athlete, but we'll see if he's an Olympic-caliber athlete. Talk about that. I feel like we can't talk about football right now and not mention the Aaron Rodgers situation going on with Green Bay and speculation about where Aaron Rodgers will be playing his 2021 season and potentially the rest of his his, his career. So talk about that. And, you know, Tuesdays I typically review Mighty Ducks Game Changers. So episode six happened on last Friday. So I will review that episode in its entirety at the end of the episode. So consider this your very first spoiler warning. But as I mentioned, it is May the 4th, Star Wars Day. And I figure let's talk a little Star Wars. So I'm not, you know, I think in the scale of someone who isn't a Star Wars fan to someone who watches all the cartoons, reads all the books, all the lore and all that stuff. I think I I fit, you know, right in the middle slash more towards the being a being a fan. I'm definitely a fan of Star Wars. I've watched all the movies, but I'm not someone that's gone out and watched, for example, the Star Wars Clone Wars series, animated series, or the Rebels animated series. I think back in elementary school, I read a handful of the novels, but nothing since then. So I haven't really delved too deep in the Star Wars universe. You know, I was a huge fan of Star Wars video games growing up, so I'll probably talk about some of my favorite Star Wars video games. And, you know, yeah, so I guess we can, you know, open it up with, you know, my favorite Star Wars movie, and I feel like I'm not going to be controversial in making my pick. You know, I think that a lot of people would make this their favorite Star Wars movie, and the one I'm talking about was Star Wars Episode Five: Empire Strikes Back. You know, it, when I'm talking about being a Star Wars fan, I think for the most part, I'm a the original trilogy slash video game fan, you know, because I'm like, I've watched the original trilogy countless times. I can't even remember how many times I've watched it, but like the prequel trilogy, you know, episodes one, two, and three, you know, I've watched each episode maybe a handful of times. Episode two, I know for a fact I've only watched maybe once in its entirety. I think that one was hot garbage. And then the new trilogy that came out that Disney took care of, episodes seven, eight, and nine, you know, I, I enjoyed seven considering that it was a complete remake of A New Hope and the nostalgia of like, oh, hey, dude, it's a brand new Star Wars. We're seeing stormtroopers and, and all that. It was pretty fun, but, you know, rewatchability, I don't think I've gone back and rewatched it. I really didn't like Episode 8. I think there was a lot of people that didn't like Episode 8. And the backlash from Episode 8 caused a lot of changes. And, you know, them trying to fix stuff in Episode 9. And while standalone, like if Episode 9 was just a movie and it wasn't part of the Star Wars 
Skywalker saga, it probably would have been a cool movie. But considering that episode nine is supposed to be the culmination of the, you know, Anakin Skywalker, Luke Skywalker story arc, it just, you know, it just really fell flat. And it, it was kind of almost surprising. I don't know if you're surprising, but that the new trilogy was actually worse than the prequel trilogy that came out in the 2000s. So, you know, but Empire Strikes Back is definitely, I feel like, hands down the best Star Wars movie. You know, it just starts off with the heroes, like, in trouble. You know, Skywalker gets attacked by that, you know, snowman, abominable snowman thing. I'm sure, you know, you Star Wars fans know exactly what he's called. And I'm sure that if you say it, I'd be like, oh, of course. I remember shooting those things in this old Star Wars arcade game back at the ice rink that I used to play at. But, you know, Luke Skywalker, he gets his ass kicked. And then right away, the Empire finds the rebel base on on Hoth. You know, epic fight scene. You know, I think the battle on Hoth is one of the most memorable Star Wars scenes. You know, with the the snow speeders and the big ATATs, and you know, so it starts off pretty shitty. You know, Luke Skywalker going and meeting Yoda and kind of being an arrogant, you know, guy that thinks he knows everything and leaving Yoda when Yoda thinks it's too early, and you know, culminating and you know, I couldn't imagine being in theaters and the shock of finding out that, you know, spoiler alert, I guess, like 35, 40 years later, that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. You know, it's one of those things that I think it's one of the most popular things in pop culture. I think it's, you know, how they say that Coca-Cola is probably the most recognizable brand on the planet, that anywhere you go on the planet, you know about Coca-Cola. I feel like, you know, Luke, I am your father is probably one of the most quotable movie quotes you know, every, anywhere, and I think if you go on any part of the planet, you say, Luke, I am your father, people will probably say, oh, Star Wars, so, you know, that's Empire Strikes Back, it's the best one, if I had to show anyone Star Wars, I would start with the original trilogy, and yeah, you know, and then how I'd mentioned is that I'm a, definitely an original trilogy fan, I'm also a fan of the, the video games, you know, like on N64, there was N60, the Star Wars pod racing game that was sick. You know, Star Wars Battlefront, those games were always sick on Xbox and PlayStation 2. They revamped it on PS4, but of course EA got their hands on it and started doing the microtransactions. So while it's a beautiful game, and I feel like Battlefront 2 on the PlayStation 4 was pretty fun, I feel like, you know, the evil empire EA Sports making me pay extra money for shit really kind of dampens it. So, but the best Star Wars video game of all time, and I feel like it's actually kind of timely since it just got announced that it'll be getting a remake coming up i think for the ps5 and the new xbox is star wars knights of the old republic it's an rpg that was out on the original xbox and original playstation 2 it's it's awesome you know every decision you make will lean you to the light or the dark side you know and then your character is affected by that so if you're going full dark side your person starts getting pale, the color in their eyes starts to go away, and it's super sick. It really feels like everything you're doing really affects the story. 
you know, the people that kind of travel with you and continue on as the video game goes on depends on your actions and depends on if you're going evil or or not. So Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, both one and two, are amazing games. It's super sick that they're going to be getting remakes. I can't wait. And it's definitely going to be, you know, as soon as it comes out, that'll be one of the most hyped games, at least in my life, to, you know, to play. You know, I'll feel like a 14-year-old kid again. And uh, maybe... Maybe my sons will get to grow up playing a new generation of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Knights of the Old Republic, dude, is such a sick story. They definitely need to make that into a, a series or a show. Or if they're trying to figure out a new batch of movies, they should go with Knights of the Old Republic. It takes place 3,000 years before the current movies happen. So, yeah, May the 4th, that's the Star Wars talk for you. But, you know, let's kick out, kick reverse, get out of the Star Wars talk. Let's go into some football talk. So, you know, today this was one of those mornings where I was like, okay, if we're going to talk about football, I think the only thing we could talk about is Aaron Rodgers or just keep talking about the NFL draft that happened last week. And while both feel like tired subjects and I was almost just going to glaze over it and just go right to the Mighty Ducks review, there was a story that stuck out that I was thought was pretty cool pretty interesting and pretty unique that you know i figured i'd share here and it's dk metcalf the you know stud like specimen of a wide receiver from the seattle seahawks you know he's created one of the highlights of the year last year when he ran down buddha baker after an interception at the goal line you know i think he chased him down 90 yards and he was clocked at going about almost 23 miles an hour when he was chasing down buddha baker so you know he ran a 4-3-3 40 yard dash and when he was at the combine in 2019 so this guy is a freak athlete he's 6-4 you know chiseled and word is he's apparently going out for the Olympic track and field team and trying to do the 100-meter dash. You know, I think anyone seeing how fast he was able to chase down Buda Baker and that was him wearing pads could probably – it's hard to imagine people much faster than him. But at the same time, the people that are Olympic-caliber track athletes are – the fastest people in the world. So I think that that's one of the things that, you know, the U.S. Track and Field Association is probably super excited that the DK Metcalf is going to be putting eyes on the sport because one of two things, because let's find out that, hey, maybe DK, DK Metcalf really is one of the fastest sprinters in the country and he makes the team that's going to create way more eyeballs on the on the u.s track team it's going to create a lot more eyeballs for the olympics you know can you only imagine the coverage that an nfl wide receiver in the 100 meter dash in the olympics you know the 100 meter dash is one of the marquee events in the summer olympics you know that's where usain bolt won his gold medals and every time he did it it was always prime time you know it would definitely be prime time if dk metcalf somehow did but on the flip side let's see dk metcalf goes out and tries to qualify for the olympic trials and let's say he either makes it through the olympic trials and it gets completely smoked or let's say that he doesn't even run a fast enough time to get the olympic trials which is a real possibility because you know for the olympic trials to get an automatic bid you have to run the 100 yard dash in 10.05 seconds which eight americans have already done 
And in 2016, it took a run a time of 10.16 seconds to even qualify for the trials. So even qualifying for the trials isn't a guarantee. You have to you have to hit you know something that you know even top level NCAA college track and field athletes would have a hard time being able to hit. So DK Metcalf, you know having not run any track and field since high school, there's a real possibility that he doesn't even qualify for the Olympic trials. So I think that that would also be good publicity for the U.S. track and field because it would show that, you know, the NFL always touts his athletes as being some of the most best athletes in the world. And especially you look at DK Metcalf, he's always touted as one of the best athletes in the NFL. So being considered one of the best athletes in a league with the best athletes in the world, you know, it would be, it would show how top notch and how athletic, you know, Olympic level sprinters are. And I think that would be good publicity for us track and field. So definitely interesting. DK Metcalf, he wouldn't be the first NFL player to make the Olympics. I think in 2012, there was a, a University of Florida wide receiver that was part of a relay team. So, and then I think that, you know, a couple decades back, there was also an NFL players that have been on Olympic teams. So he wouldn't be the first, but considering the modern times where athletes are very specialized and all the training goes into, you know, specializing, you know, DK Metcalf is only been focusing on being a hundred meter sprinter since the playoffs ended last year so you know can just half a year of preparation make you an olympic level sprinter we'll find out how far genetics will take you and while this is a cool story and for you know dk metcalf and could potentially be you know a lot of good publicity for u.s track and field it makes you wonder how the Seattle Seahawks feel about this. You know, he's one of their top two wide receivers, him and Tyler Lockett. He's one of the reasons why Seattle's passing office is, is so prolific. You know, Russell Wilson, he's got a great arm and he can throw the deep ball, probably the best deep ball in the NFL. And DK Metcalf is probably the best deep ball wide receiver there is. So I don't know if training to be for the Olympics as a sprinter is the same as training to be a wide receiver in the NFL. But you know that that's going to be what everyone's going to be talking about. If DK Metcalf comes out this year and it starts dropping balls, they'll be like, okay, you're fast, but you didn't work on catching footballs. So I wonder if he can incorporate in his Olympic training. It's like, you know, at the end of his hundred meter dash, he crosses the finish line, looks up and catches a deep ball or something. I don't know, something to keep his, catching skills up but then again when you're an athletic freak like dk metcalf maybe just catching the ball second nature so before we move on to mighty ducks i feel like let's talk about aaron Rodgers. everyone else's turn on espn that's that's what they're opening all their shows on talking about the same shit over and over but i feel like i got a little bit of a new nugget that I feel like this morning I was listening to watching Get Up while I was preparing for the show and they weren't talking about it, which surprised me. But the Oakland Raiders, we got a breaking news last night that apparently Aaron Rodgers is, quote, intrigued by the Raiders. I don't know what that's worth, you know, in a world where any speculation on sports and anything you hear on Twitter or social media, a lot of times that thing, that stuff turns out to be BS. So, and being intrigued, I don't know what that means. It's like, I'm intrigued by Arby's. Like, that doesn't mean, like, I'm going to have that for dinner tonight. So, 
you know, when you look at the Raiders, they've got some weapons. You know, you got Henry Ruggs, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Brian Edwards, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake. But they completely blew up their offensive line. So I don't know how appealing that would be to Aaron Rodgers. I guess maybe being in the Las Vegas market is pretty appealing. It's closer to the West Coast where a lot of people speculate he wants to be. It's a brand new stadium. And so, I mean, I guess that is intriguing. But also, I don't know if the idea of him, you know, at 37 years old, 38, I forget what age he is, but he's definitely in his late 30s. And the idea of having a offensive line that's been completely, you know, decimated, by the front office and you know they sure they've drafted some people and brought in people and they still have Richie Incognito but at the end of the day I think I can see the whoever's under center for the Las Vegas Raiders he's going to be they're probably going to be dealing with a lot of pressure and I don't know how appealing that is to Aaron Rodgers so it's kind of this whole situation situation has been weird because all the experts all the insiders everyone is speculating that it's almost a done deal that Aaron Rodgers is out of town. Even Devontae Adams, he tweeted yesterday at some point, like, oh, you know, you got to appreciate the things while you have them. So everyone's speculating that he's talking about Aaron Rodgers. Like, you know, you know, he should have appreciated having Aaron Rodgers while he had him. But I still feel like if Aaron Rodgers is playing quarterback anywhere other than Green Bay next year, it'll be a surprise to me. It's one of those things kind of like with, with Russell Wilson at the beginning of the offseason where a lot of people are speculating that Russell Wilson was going to be, you know, going somewhere else in the offseason and that it was almost a done deal and that things weren't fixable with Pete Carroll. And now that seems like so far in the past and almost, you know, like it wasn't even real. So I think that Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day, if I had to put my money on it, it's probably still going to be playing with the Packers. You know, it's in the Packers' best interest to keep Aaron Rodgers. And at the end of the day, it's going to be hard to move him. And it's going to be hard for the Packers to justify it. So I don't see Aaron Rodgers retiring. When A.J. Hawk was on Pat McAfee's show yesterday, you know, A.J. Hawk was with Aaron Rodgers at the Kentucky Derby over the weekend. And A.J. Hawk was like, it's crazy to even think that Aaron Rodgers would retire. You know, he's someone that has quoted on the Pat McAfee show earlier in the fall on one of the appearances is that, you know, football is the only thing that really stokes his competitive desire. And the thrill of competition is what, you know, keeps him going. And that's what, you know, wants is one of the reasons why he wants to keep playing football, you know, even into his 40s. So someone who talks like that isn't just going to retire because he's having, you know, he's upset with the front office. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers is still going to be in Green Bay. But let's be real, people are going to be speculating about it probably up until training camp or, or so, or until Aaron Rodgers actually speaks about it himself. So, you know, we'll see about all that. All right. The time has come to review the Mighty Ducks Game Changers Episode 6. So it is a spoiler-heavy review, so this is your spoiler warning. You know, get out of the room, stop the show. Holy shit, here come spoilers. Ah! There you go. All right, so this episode had two main storylines. You know, one was that new Charlie balled out so hard in their very first win against the Hawks in their previous episode that the Ducks head coach 
is basically trying to recruit him back to the Ducks. So I didn't rec- re- review the previous episode, but story in a nutshell, new Charlie had a scumbag dad that, you know, of course he has a scumbag dad because he's Lorelai is a single mom raising new Charlie. So of course it's either the dad's passed away or he's a scumbag. So we find out he's a scumbag, like, rock star guy, but not really a rock star. He's some dude that plays in, like, bars and stuff. And it's just like, oh, yeah, like, this is going to be my big shot. Like, because if I do this, it's the next step to Milwaukee. And it's like, oh, yeah, Milwaukee, the mecca of rock and roll. And, you know, so new Charlie is upset because his dad said he was going to go to the game. He wasn't at the game. He's pissed off. And, of course, Gordon Bombay, the good guy, convinces scumbag dad to go to the game. And new Charlie, he just basically balls out and shows off and helps them win their first game. And, you know, that's that whole episode basically in a nutshell that I didn't review. Consider that that review. So, lucky you. You basically get two episodes reviewed in one episode. So, all right. So, new Charlie, he balled out. The Ducks coach... He's like, hey, Charlie. Or, well, that's obviously not his name. It's Evan. He's like, Evan Morrow. Like, you, I made a mistake. You should be on the Ducks. And, of course, new Charlie is kind of like, no, I'm loyal to Don't Bothers. I'm their captain. You know, I got to think about it. And, you know, the Ducks guy is almost like assuming, like, dude, he'll be back. He'll come. And definitely the Don't Bothers are they're definitely making his decision hard for him because when he shows up for practice the don't bothers are in the snack bar making pancakes with like candy cooked on it and they're just watching a replay of their last game where they won and they're basically replaying it and saying that instead of practicing we just want to eat pancakes and watch the game that we won because according to the podcast kid that if new Charlie wants to see the Don't Bothers win another eight or nine games, they should just rewatch the last game eight or nine times, which got a good chuckle from the Don't Bothers. And new Charlie, he's, you know, he's kind of in disbelief because at the end of the day, this kid loves hockey. He wants to be competitive in hockey. And, you know, hey, I was a 12 year old kid who loved hockey. I've been there. So he's definitely upset that, you know, the people on his team just don't really give a crap while he still has aspirations of potentially taking his team to the state playoffs. So he actually goes to the Ducks, you know, the Ducks practice. And, you know, the coach is just like, Evan Morrow, glad for you to be here. And they're just like totally like brown nosing him and being like, dude, you're so good and you got so much better and all this stuff. And, you know, he has a good practice. And so now the Ducks assume that he's part of the team now. And the way that Lorelai finds out that new Charlie went to the Ducks practice and she's at home and then bitch ass Stephanie knocks on the door with like all this stuff for the Ducks gala fundraiser that's going to happen. And Lorelai is like, what? Like, I'm not a part of the Ducks. And bitch ass Stephanie's like, oh, we didn't tell you. Like, you didn't find out. Like, yeah, new Charlie came back out to the Ducks. Like, we're on the same team, girl. And it's just like, oh, just the way she was like, like, we're on the same team, girl. Like, it was just like, oh, you Stephanie, you're such a bitch. And you might you might be wondering to yourself, what Mighty Ducks fundraiser gala? And that's basically the second storyline. So 
you know, Gordon Bombay, he's in his car, and we get a nice callback to the original Duck movies. His window gets shattered, and right away when his window gets shattered, it's like Gordon Bombay in a car, window shattered. It's like I'm thinking Fulton Reed's taking slap shots into the street again. And while I was half right, you know, it did end up being Fulton, but he was actually working construction, working a jackhammer. So I guess the jackhammer shot the rock and broke the windshield. So it was a nice callback that, you know, Fulton Reed just can't help himself. He's just got to make insurance companies shell out money to fix broken windows. You know, I don't even know if insurance companies are responsible when there's just like some random dude who's either shooting pucks or breaking rocks into the street. And, you know, who covers that? I'll have to ask my wife or... My mother-in-law, they probably know that. But anyway, so Fulton is basically saying that, you know, him and a lot of the old ducks are in town because there's a Mighty Ducks gala because they were the original ducks. And I guess that it's a 25-year anniversary of, you know, the Mighty Ducks and they're all going to be going. So he's like, Fulton's like, oh, Bombay, you know, I assume you're going to be going. Like, we're going to be meeting up for pizza later on. So, you know, why don't you come and, you know, meet all the whole gang? So Gordon Bombay is like, I'm down. But then immediately shows him back at the Ice Palace, like going through all of his mail to try to see if he got an invitation. And he finds out that he wasn't invited. And, you know, when he gets the 411 from Lorelai, because Lorelai got the info from bitch-ass Stephanie, she basically said that they're trying to, you know, not acknowledge Gordon Bombay because she thinks that he's quote-unquote doesn't represent the best of the Ducks. Meanwhile, the the, co- the current coach with the mullet does, and he talks like this. I should get the Lifetime Achievement Award. And so Gordon Bombay, he's obviously bummed out that, you know, the Ducks was something that was a big part of his life and got him back into hockey. And, you know, so he's, he's obviously bummed out that the current Ducks are basically a bunch of fucking cake-eating jabrones who you know, don't even recognize a founder, which is like, it's insane. Like to even like be like, especially for a guy who's known as the Minnesota miracle man. And if new Charlie, for example, knew everything about him, I think that the hockey community would know about him. So, you know, considering that the ducks, you know, are probably well known and Gordon Bombay is well known, just comes off as poor taste in my opinion to not acknowledge Gordon Bombay. But it was really cool, you know, when he when Bombay showed up at the pizza parlor. We get to see a bunch of the old people, you know. There's like Guy and Connie. We find out they're married and they have kids. And Connie's a Minnesota state senator. You know, Averman's there, and he's still talk talking like, "Oh, Averman, and even Bombay's like, "You're still talking like that." And Averman's like, "No, I don't." But I just figured you enjoyed it so much, and. You know, Bombay's like, oh, I guess we remember things differently. So that was pretty funny. And, you know, we got Adam Banks, you know, the cake eater from the Hawks that came over to the Ducks in the first movie. You know, he showed up. He's a he's a lawyer now, kind of like how Gordon Bombay was at the beginning of the first movie. Woo, 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 Kenny, woo. He was there. You know, so, you know, it was a cool little reunion there. And then Fulton, of course, was there. So they had a, you know, a little reunion and, you know, everything seemed to be going good. And then you find out, you know, Connie's like, hey, you didn't miss, uh, you know, Coach Bombay. You never came to our wedding. You never even responded. And, you know, and, you know, Bombay is now kind of being that kind of like 
off put kind of rough i'm you know down on my i don't know just you know almost just like now it's just kind of like he's just kind of starting to blow them off and when they ask him about the gala he's just like no i'm not going and he's basically making it sound like he's blowing it off just like he blows off everything else which fulton even points out that that's why charlie didn't even show up that charlie had mentioned that gordon bombay hasn't showed up to anything so why should he you know so so he's making it seem like he's blowing it off but he didn't tell them that he basically wasn't invited you know so at the ducks gala you know, new Charlie tells the Ducks coach that, you know, he's not going to go to the Ducks, that he's going to stay with the Don't Bothers, which obviously pissed off the Ducks coach. He tells the other players, like, we put a bounty on his head. Ugh. Like, it's, you know, when let's be real. I, this whole time, like, when I thought, like, okay, now he's contemplating going to the Ducks. I was like, I think this whole, this Minnesota Youth Hockey League is pretty fucked up with the amount of trades and player swaps like when i was playing competitive hockey when i was younger you signed a letter of intent you were stuck on that team you couldn't just be like oh i'm gonna go play for this team now and go play for this team so but either way evan makes the right call lorelei's happy because now she doesn't have to be on the same team as bitch ass stephanie anymore and then you know that he also made the right decision because like let's be real how fucked up was it that like her mom went through all that trouble, you know, and he went through all that trouble to recruit all these guys for this team and to get an ice and, you know, set this whole don't bother's team. It would have been fucked up if he decided to jump shit back to the team that basically gave him the finger and kicked him off. And, you know, we're basically bullies again up until this point. So new Charlie makes the right call. And then at the gala, that's where the, all the old ducks find out from new Charlie. New Charlie basically tells them, yo, Gordon Bombay wasn't even invited here. That's why he was being such a dick. So the, the old ducks, they're like, we got to go get Gordon Bombay. So kind of a call back to the original movie when the first time we see Gordon Bombay meeting District 5, he shows up, drives on the ice with his limo. So in this time, you know, the ducks in their limo, they pull into the ice palace, drive onto the ice, and they pick up Gordon Bombay. They show back up at the gala, and while bitch-ass Stephanie's about to present the Lifetime Ducks Achievement Award to the, you know, the coach. What's that coach's name? Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Coach T. I think it's Coach T. Ugh, coach T. So bitch-ass Stephanie is going to give him the Lifetime Achievement Award, and then here comes Fulton. You know, they, like, do, like, the kind of, like, a quack, quack, quack. Like, it should be Gordon Bombay. And it's, like, Fulton coming to the stage doing his best Kanye West, like, you know, sorry, Taylor, but, like, Beyonce had the best music video of all time this year, of all time. And, like, so Fulton comes in and basically makes the case that Gordon Bombay should be getting the Lifetime Achievement Award. So, you know, I, can't, I forget it. You know, I don't – nothing. I don't. I think Coach T still gets the Lifetime Achievement Award, but they definitely made their point. You know, the end of the show ends with Lorelai setting up a practice with the old ducks and the don't bothers, and it looks like it's all – happy good times but then the show ends with one of the ducks posting a video of new charlie at the ducks practice and all the don't bothers just are like dude what the fuck and they leave new charlie on the ice all sad and you know that's where the show ends oh you know but not before gordon bombay accepted assistant coach duties of the don't bothers so you know we're getting some gordon bombay magic and i bet you the don't bothers lose a game the rest of the season just you watch but back on the topic of new charlie being caught 
at the Ducks practice. It's like, I feel like the no one bothers. You can't be pissed off because at the end of the day, Evan showed up to practice and you guys just wanted to eat pancakes and watch the old game rather than practice. And so Charlie wanted to get a good competitive practice in. So he went to the Ducks, put in, you know, a good practice session and he turned down their offer and is staying on the don't bothers. Now, while it's fucked up that he was even considering jumping ship, he didn't. And I think the don't bother should take some accountability and be like, you know what? We need to take this shit more seriously because our captain, he's trying to win games. He didn't just set up this team to just like show up and, you know, don't bother trying to win. You know, there's a lot of reasons they have the don't bother name, but you know, you Charlie's trying to win. So I think at the end of the day, they're going to figure this shit out by the next episode. But you know, episode seven, I'm sure is definitely going to start off with the don't bothers being upset that, you know, new Charlie, their captain, their El Capitan, you know, the guy that even set this team up that, you know, he was basically, you know, went on a date with the enemy. So we'll see how the, you know, moving forward, the Mighty Ducks go. And I have a feeling that Gordon Bombay being the assistant coach is definitely going to do good things for the Don't Bothers. So that's all I have for today's show. As always, I appreciate everyone that takes the time to download and listen. You know, the show's nothing without you fans. So if you enjoyed what you listened to, you know, be as always, be a friend, tell a friend. So until next time, I've been your host, Dean Ryan. This has been a Cali Green Monster Show coming to you from the Tesla Studios in beautiful San Diego, California. Have a great one, guys. Peace.